What's up, everyone, and welcome to your destination for the biggest geek news and reactions in movies, TV, comics, and gaming. This week, we dive into the first two episodes of Disney's She-Hulk and HBO's The House of the Dragon, and we're going to see if either one can breathe fresh air into their respective franchises. So don't go anywhere, because I'm Chris. And I'm Don, and this is Raise the Geek. Let's go. And we're back. What's going on, everyone? Episode 70 of Raise the Geek is now being recorded. I'm Chris. Thank you all for checking out another episode. As always, I'm here with my buddy, Don. How we doing, man? Chris, what is up today, my friend? Yes, 70 fun-filled episodes. Here we are. Ready to do it. I'm okay. Everything is good. How are you? Good, good. Having a busy week at work, mm-hmm. getting, uh, getting some business done. You know, it's always fun when you're working and then you're working on a big project, told to drop everything. Everything's dropped. We're switching gears. This is what we're doing now. And we're like, sweet. And then like three days or like one week after we switched gears and started doing it, we sat down with who we were doing it for. And he was like, I don't really know why we did this because I don't need it. And we're like, oh, cool, man. Cool, cool. So <laughs> they got to keep you guessing, back, buddy. Man. We got to keep you on your toes when you're at work. Keep you keeping keep you us on our toes. So you don't know what the hell's going on every time. I think the funnest part of work is walking in and not knowing what the hell's going to happen that day. That <laughs> That's what keeps it interesting. That's how I've always worked. I've always had reactionary jobs where I just come in and go, what are we doing today? And yeah. uh, the day just kind of becomes what it becomes. So, you know, I can I can hang with it. I can hang with it. It's all right. It's all right. Very cool. Um, I did want to ask you one quick question here before we kick things off. I just saw something interesting, and I'm interested in what your answer would be to this question. And I can't remember which podcast um, posted this on Twitter. We follow a lot of fun podcasts out, mm-hmm. um, so and a lot of them put out good stuff. Everybody out there, support independent podcasts. It's very important. But um, somebody asked a question like, if you, as a podcaster, which mean you are or we at least claim to be um if you were doing a different podcast about a different subject what would be the subject that you feel you could speak most like the most authority on besides the topic you are now doing um now i have to put a caveat in here for you because you've already done a podcast before (laughs) on wrestling that was gonna be my podcast too you can't say wrestling you've already done that uh you did have that um yeah man what would your answer be i'll 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 answer first since i had had time to think about this and i'll give you a chance for me man and it may just just be a recency bias because it's coming up right now i feel like i could do a good football podcast like a casual nfl like i know enough of the guys i know i watch enough of the games now i can't get like down and dirty the x's and o's and like oh this guy ran a slant route and you have to watch old Devonte adams out there like i couldn't go that deep with it but i feel like i could have a very fun informative football podcast if i really wanted to um <laughs> hey look forward I, it this fall I don't really 2022 want to. raised right. on football <laughs> <Done>. <laughs> raised on football geek edition uh <laughs> Yeah, man, I don't know. I could see that. What, what, what about you? If it's not, like I said, wrestling, what do you think? Yeah, you I could I could do a wrestling one because I did do a wrestling one. But I would probably say I could do music. 
I could follow, yeah. do some bands, do a punk rock podcast, talk about some stories of some of those bands. Very nice. Yeah, I could see that. Hey, man, never say never. Maybe one day in the future. Well, you know, and if you're, what would your topic be? What would you like to listen to us talk about? You know how you, you know how you let us know? You hit us up over on Twitter or Instagram at Raise the Geek. Shoot us an email, raisethegeek at gmail.com. But we want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in every week to listen to us talk about geek things. Thank you once again for another week for the 70th time. Absolutely. Lucky number 70. Thank you for listening. And let's let's have some fun. Let's do some quick hits because we got some news that came out this week that needs to be talked about in whatever fashion we want to talk about it today. We found out that the Resident Evil Netflix show has already been canceled. (laughs) (laughs) I think we just talked about this last week. I think. We just like it just came up in the course of conversation because I hadn't watched it yet. And you might have watched the first one. I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm going. And you're like, yeah, it's eh, it's whatever. And yeah, man, already already canceled. Netflix is known to be pretty quick with the hatchet to let things go that don't perform. Uh, I saw somewhere like it was already out of the top 10 after three weeks, which is not probably not great for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, already gone, man. Seemed like it took them a minute to debut in the top 10. And then once they did, it pretty much quickly fell off the radar. Um, And if anything, following Neil Gaiman on Twitter has taught me all of the logistics of how Netflix cancels and sticks with shows as he's uh, eagerly anticipating the Sandman getting renewed for a second season and watching that journey has been harrowing to say the least as (laughs) we're waiting to see how that's going to go. But um, yeah, it sounds like Resident Evil really didn't stand a chance with how fast the conversation on that shifted. It got surprisingly decent reviews. What's crazy, and this is going to pivot into one of our topics today, but it goes really well with this. GameSpot gave Resident Evil Netflix show a nine. They gave House of Dragons a five. Yeah, they've, they've lost all credit with me like, after, after something like that. I can't take you seriously after after that. I haven't even seen Resident Evil. I know that's bullshit. So yeah. so so just like something's you're just trying. I think they're just trying to get clicks by being contrarian. Yeah, it's everyone else be. liked House of Dragons, so we're gonna give it a five and say, "Boo!" It's too much more Game of Thrones. You're like, what the fuck did you want? Well, because it's they're guaranteed a click when someone sees a five for that they're gonna be like what and click it and read it and they got their click so i i know your game game spot i know your game spot (laughs) we know what you're doing but yeah resident evil canceled so now don is there any chance that you actually watch this show now no never not even (laughs) even a little bit interested to see what they did no i'm not gonna do it i can't it's not even just because it's resident evil anything anytime a show gets canceled before i've started watching it i've already lost i've already lost interest because i already know you didn't the the showrunners and producers and all those types didn't plan for it to only be one season so i already know it's going to end on a maybe not even a cliffhanger but just like a what's going to happen in season two well i already know there's not going to be a season two so why am i going to waste my time sorry resident evil didn't didn't work this time uh, next up that was announced this week, Jeffrey Dean Morgan of Grey's Anatomy fame joins the boys for season four. <laughs> you just say Grey's Anatomy fame. I, uh, I didn't, uh, that's news to me. had yeah, no he idea. Was, he was in the one of the early, like season one or two of Grey's Anatomy. See, you, you killed my entire question to you because I was going to ask you, what the hell has this guy been in that's not a comic book? Well, there you go. 
Grey's Anatomy, I, was, apparently, is the answer. That was 20 years ago. What has he done lately? <laughs> Comic book things. Since yeah. Watchmen 90, what was that? When was Watchmen? 2000? And it was in the 2000s. I don't, I don't remember an exact the early yeah. aughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's that. What else? Um, he was Walking in the Losers. L- Losers. Walking Dead, obviously. He played Thomas Wayne in... Um, mm-hmm in one of the in one of the ben affleck movies right batman versus superman he, batman played thomas superman, wayne. he right. may be thomas wayne in flashpoint yeah if they if that rumor turns out to be anything of substance um but yeah so now here's another one he's gonna be in the boys uh what do you think Excited? i, I always like jeffrey dean morgan i okay. always he's he was the comedian, man. He was a perfect cast for that role, and he's kind of been a perfect cast in everything, even Negan. I didn't. I never saw him. I never saw Negan. I didn't make it in The Walking Dead long enough for Negan. I just quit right before Negan showed up. When they announced he was cast at it, I was like, perfect. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can 100% see him doing that. Um, no idea how he actually did. As far as I'm aware, everyone seemed to enjoy, and he's still around. I think he's all the way to the end of that show. So good for him, man. Comic books is where he's got. He's got the look. I mean, we're, if we were talking 10 years ago, 20, 15 years ago, we'd be asking if he's a good Superman. So, you know, yeah, he's yeah. got that chiseled look. I'm with you. It's just funny. You just look at that guy and I don't know why, just his image and aura and personality and that sly little smile just seems like it fits in the boys universe already like there's not even casting announcement yet of who he's going to be not that we would know anyway because we don't read those comic books yeah Yeah. but it's just like he looks like he just fits there already yeah so whatever they decide to do with him i'm sure it's going to be great like like i'm with you i liked him a lot as i i did watch a little bit of negan stuff i kind of fell off soon after but he was a perfect negan um i remember when they were casting negan it was like between him and uh, a fan cast was like Timothy Oliphant. People wanted either one of them. I think either one of them would have worked, but I think yeah, Jeffrey was, Morgan a little bit more. Yeah, he was great in the role. So he's can't a little complain. rougher. He's yeah. a little rougher. Yeah, I'm a fan. So this is fun news. We are totally down for the boys. As you, if you listen, you know, we, we gush over the boys as we did in an episode. So I'm all for this. Let's shift gears. Let's talk some She-Hulk. She-Hulk is finally here. She-Hulk attorney at law. Let me get the show right. It's a new Disney Plus show. MCU Disney Plus show that has started a couple weeks ago. We've got two episodes in. So we're going to talk about our early impressions of She-Hulk. I know we didn't really go through Miss Marvel too much. It wasn't really either one of our shows as we went through. The only MCU project I haven't finished yet. Um, But I'm here for some She-Hulk, man. I'm here for some She-Hulk. Yeah, man. Let's let's get into it here. So, Why not? So She-Hulk, let me pull up my uh, She-Hulk attorney in law to star uh, Tatiana Maslany, Mark Ruffalo, and uh, Jamil Jamil, and Tim Roth reprising his role of Abomination and Emil Emil Blonsky. Mm, yes, IMDb yes. doesn't want to give him credit for that. You have to click. <laughs> They just want to call him Abomination. As well as cameos we know are coming. Charlie Cox as Daredevil and Benedict Wong as Wong are Mm. forthcoming, but they are not in the first two episodes of this show. Don, what do you think of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law? Yeah, man, She-Hulk is the latest uh, Disney Plus offering here. And I mean, to kind of start, I was excited about this one uh, from the beginning. I've... Mm -hmm. 
I'm a fan of She-Hulk comics. Uh, one of my favorite comics of like the past, I don't know. I, I, I should have looked it up before we started this, but one of my favorite comic books in recent memories, this is going back maybe five or six years, was was the She-Hulk uh, book. It ran for 12 issues. The, the run was by Charles Sewell mm-hmm. and Javier Polito. And the reason I liked it so much was, I mean, it was kind of quirky. The art was different. It was it was it was not just it didn't look like you're just average superhero comic book. But the most important part of it was I, I love that it focused on Jennifer Walters, like being an attorney and juggling her life as She-Hulk at the same time. Yeah. So like these comic books would have, you know, case of the week kind of kind of a deal. And. Somebody might pop in and she'd have to transform into She-Hulk and like throw somebody around. But it's also about like the case. You know what I mean? And that's what this show, when it was announced, was kind of seemed like it was going to be. It was like, that's super cool, man. It's not just her running around the streets and stopping crime. It's her being a lawyer and actually. um, So it just it being different in that way interested me from the beginning. Um, And through these first two episodes, I've I've liked what I've seen, man. It's it's kind of a light. You don't have to think too much about it. Um, It's it's been pretty fun so far. I mean, it, it was billed as a sitcom and it does, you know, make me chuckle from time to time. I mean, it's not like Seinfeld or anything that, that you're just going to laugh the entire time, but it does have its humor that is actually landing, which is important. Pay attention, Thor, Love and Thunder, humor <laughs> that lands. But uh, the humor yeah. does land a little bit. And I'm just like, I like just sitting down. No, I'm sitting only for 30 minutes. That that That's a good, you know, length of the show for me. Mm-hmm. And just know I'm going to be entertained lightheartedly nothing too dark nothing too crazy and uh, we'll talk about why as as we talk about the show but i've been enjoying i've enjoyed the first two um nothing groundbreaking but fun so that's kind of where i'm sitting right now uh what about you initial thoughts she hulk yeah initial thoughts i had fun i enjoyed it um not all the jokes land i see what they're trying to do and you're just like uh uh-huh you know and kind of roll your eyes or whatnot um but i've enjoyed the show i like like you said I agree with what you said. I enjoy the shorter length. I enjoy the lighthearted feel compared to a lot of the MCU that always feels like it's like the world on the shoulders. I'm really hoping they don't end up with a big kaiju battle at the end of Pyramids of Egypt or something. <laughs> I hope it's a little bit more smaller scale. Um, I do, and once again, we'll dive, dive into it a little bit more. I, and I know we're only two episodes in, but I feel like we're not going to get a lot of lawyer in. <laughs> Maybe um, not. You know, we got our our very origin heavy first episode, which I thought was a good way to do it. But then going into the second episode, I was kind of I see where they're going with the story. But these Marvel, these MCU shows on Disney have they have that slow build that's always confusing as to what they're going to be. And I'm like, I really I really hope because that was my my hope when I heard the pitch for what the show was going to be and knowing it comes, you know, highly influenced by the Charles Soule comic, or at least seems like it was, I was really hoping that there was going to be more, some lawyering and it was going to be more of a, they always kind of paired it up with like Ally McBeal, which I know is an old reference in its own right, but. Which you young young listeners out there won't even know what that is, but okay. (laughs) But that was a lawyer comedy show on Fox that was in the nineties. And it was a, it was a big thing at the time and i only i don't remember watching very much of it but i know they were had had cases and they had trials and they had those things so i don't know if they're gonna get there or not like the way that it seems like the show's going after two episodes i'm like i don't know if i'm gonna get what i wanted out of it but 
I've enjoyed the first two. I, 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 it was easy to come back for episode two. I've enjoyed, it's not perfect, but we'll get into that as well. But yeah, (laughs) um, I had a good time watching it. The 30 minute or 25 minute runtime helps a lot. Yeah. Super important there. Super important. If these were 45 or an hour, it might be a little bit trickier. Yeah. That's another reason I liked WandaVision too. The first one to kick off all these shows is some those were pretty short, like 30 minutes. Um, yeah. Just a quick hit, you know, you don't got to sit and think too hard about it. Just give me, give me the fun and get out of here. Um, I don't know the, the lawyering thing. I could see what you're saying, but I feel like, you know, as we all saw, we all we all watched it. If you guys are listening to us, spoilers, I'm sure everyone here watched it. But we had to get a lot of the origin of how she yeah. became She-Hulk out of the way. So it didn't leave a lot of room for lawyering in there, you know. Um, and then the second episode kind of is setting it up, I feel like, to be maybe more lawyering. Uh, as we know, like, like you said in the beginning here, Daredevil, Charlie Cox is going to be in this. And he is famously the other famous lawyer in yeah, marvel yeah. so like my dream is we're we're setting up a like law um courtroom matt courtroom matt murdoch versus jennifer walters deal going here which they've done in the comic books and it is always amazing when they do it so i i'm hoping that's what we get to um i think I mean, you know with seven episodes left i think there's plenty of room to get this lawyering in that you're so eagerly looking for 100%. i hope hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. And I agree. And as you said, episode one was mostly origin. So how did you feel about Jessica or Jennifer Walters? Told you I was going to do it. Jessica you always Walters. want to say Jessica. Uh, Jennifer Walters. I've been watching yeah. Arrested Development, so it's uh, stuck yeah. in my head. <laughs> uh, but how did you feel they handled this version, her origin? What did you think of well, that first episode? It is a little different from the comics. In the comics, it's not a car crash that she's in with Bruce that... um gains her powers it's more of like she has some kind of accident and bruce has to donate his blood to her to like save her life because they're a match because they're family yeah um now i can see why they kind of changed it for this because it's just a quicker way to get us there um if we would have had her in some accident and laying in the hospital for a long time that's you know more exposition than you can get done in probably a first episode of a show so it has been changed to kind of fit the mcu um i do appreciate that whenever we introduce a new character what do we always say this is going to be an origin show yeah. moon knight miss marvel all this is all origin shows it's the whole season of getting them to who they are going to become but she with she hulk we kind of got the origin completely out of the way in that first 30 minutes yeah so for me personally some people may not like it they may want more with it with an origin story but i'm like great get her get her her powers get her going let's get in it like an adventure going that's not just her learning about the learning how to be a hulk for nine episodes you know what i mean um so i kind of like the way i like the way they handled that uh you too yeah i was glad they got that out of the way i i wanted the blood train i wanted more than just my blood got on you yeah Um, in you but i mean it was just like this little bit i'm like that's all it takes really like i understand they explained it with dna and science talk so i mean that's it's fine it works i don't i didn't think about it another time but when it happened i was just like that's it like i don't know i was i wanted the because i knew the blood transfusion story and stuff so i was expecting a little bit more drama that did not come and it was just kind of like ooh, your blood yeah your blood got on me i'm strong i'm strong i'm a hulk and you're just like okay that was easy enough yeah 
feels like he could be turning hulks all over the place um well then they kind of did explain that away saying like their genes match so that's the only reason it works yeah you know you know I, yeah, they explained it, they it was fine. It. like i said i didn't give it a, another thought until now i mean it's just as i'm talking about how i felt um but Overall, yes, I'm glad they did all the origining in that first episode and we can go on an adventure and really see a little bit more. What do you think of uh, Tatiana Maslany? Oh, I think she's good. I think she's good. Um, I didn't watch Orphan Black. I know that's what most people know her from. Yeah. Outside of this. Uh, but I think she's, you know, got some charisma yeah. and looks the part and and is playing the fourth wall well. I saw... I. I've seen a lot of people have a problem with that being like, she's just copying Deadpool. No, she Hulk did that before Deadpool, just so everybody is clear and knows that's not just a Deadpool thing. Uh, yeah. That is a, that's a she Hulk thing as well. So she's allowed fanboys. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think she's doing a good, <laughs> I think she's doing a good job. Uh, you. Yeah. Same. I always like, I did watch a few seasons of orphan black when it was on and she was outstanding in it. So I've always kind of, had a soft spot for her whenever she does pop up and stuff. I'm always just like, oh, yes. So when they announced her as casting, I was like, I'm down and figured she'd be good at handling with it. And yeah, she's she's good with the MCU comedy and how she runs it. I think she was really a perfect cast and really is carrying the show these first two episodes. Well, yeah, I mean, really, in the first episode, it's just her and Mark Ruffalo, which <laughs> kind of I just want to quickly ask you, what do you feel about? him or in general just like this being the first real hulk project um but marvel studios has done because i mean you can't really count the edward norton movie that was before everything and it's technically a universal movie and and i don't know what did you think of mark ruffalo and the smart hulk and everything just just kind of thoughts on that a little bit i liked it like, okay. I like all of that because it's it's a character we just don't see. So it's like he always gets kind of the shaft in all these. He's always, you know, in the beginning, he was just kind of a grunty badass, you know, and he did some crazy shit. And I mean, he stole the show in the uh, of the first Avengers movie doing uh, like all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, this is the Hulk. Yes. And everyone was all like Hulk fever after Avengers came out. And then he kind of almost did it again with Ragnarok at stealing the show in his own right for that so it's like hulk's always kind of been the bright spot in the mcu but has never gotten his own thing which i don't think they're legally able to do being no. the hulk i think they're right oh i think yeah. there are rights issues to different things and they're unable to actually do a full hulk movie so that's why he cameos and everything i could be 100 percent wrong on that you know uh raise the geek on twitter hit us up <laughs> let us know if i'm how wrong i am I, I liked, I think this is a good project for him at where we are. And I liked Smart Hulk in the uh, end game when they brought that, when they did that, he got a little bit more out of the character. It's just evolution of the character. I mean, hell, reading the new Donny Cates Hulk and the Hulk is a, a, a damn spaceship, you know? So Hulk can be anything you want him to be. I'm down with it. I'm down for the ride, man. Anything new with the Hulk is fun. Like you, for me, same thing. Hulk's one of my f favorite characters and. Marvel, like usually whenever he comes out with a new book, I'm always lined up to like buy the first issue. I love reading Hulk comics. Yep. The only thing I could have done without in that first episode was I did not need the two of them fighting. Yeah. And if you know, the, I'm with you and it kind of felt inevitable because where else are you going to get your action from? She's not interacting with anybody else. 
Yeah. So like yeah. it's a premiere episode. You got to see She-Hulk fall, fight a little. So I get it. I get why they did it. But yeah, it was just kind of like, eh, would they really be doing this? No, they wouldn't. So I agree. Could have lived yeah. without it, but you needed to get your action somewhere. They could have just made her fight with Titania a little more at the end. That could have yes. been your fight sequence. Yes. Can't like we said, this is not a perfect show, so it's going to have its flaws. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it is what it is. One of the flaws that everybody talked about coming into it was the CGI. So now that we've actually seen two episodes, what do you think of that CGI, Don? You know, it's not the the sky is falling like as bad as everyone thinks or thought. I get it. I watched the first trailer along with everybody and it looked a little rough. They've gone in, you can tell and made their touch ups. Now, watching these first two episodes, I can still tell that it's a little what's the what's the best way to put it? It's not it's not the best work they've done VFX wise. I look at She-Hulk and you can still tell a little bit. Sometimes it's a little rough. The mouth is a little weird. Yeah, her drinking's weird. Drinking and like, but then you look at stuff like, man, how did they get Thanos so perfectly? Like, come on, guys, I've seen you do this. <laughs> let's yeah. let's let's work this out but uh it does it's not to the point where it's like unwatchable or bothers me it doesn't bother me it's fine i can tell it's not the best work they've ever done but it's not going to affect my level of watching or enjoying the show it's been standard for the disney plus shows kind of yeah you know i mean it was better than a lot of the cgi in moon knight well that hippo was pretty good the hippo was the hippo was good. I was thinking about when the I, in like the first episode of Moon Knight when they had the uh, debris falling from the mountain and like hitting oh, people during okay. that car chase, and I was like, man, that just looks so computer <laughs> gamey. I mean, the bottom line is they're not spending as much money on their VFX for the shows as they are for the movies. I mean, well, and there's all kinds of stories out there about crunch with these FX artists and you know sure. being asked to do so much on such tight deadlines. And needing to redo stuff so i mean there's a whole other conversation into Definitely. that but i think th- i think it looks great i'm i'm down yeah um i'm i'm cool I, i'm not it. hating on Good the cgi enough. in any way it looks like the last few shows have looked now one of the other things these shows have really in these just these first two episodes really dove into is the easter eggs mm-hmm. Definitely. because the end of episode two which i was curious if they were going to talk about it because we had we had this giant scene with uh abomination which i'm already forgetting his name of mill yep. and he's talking about how he's reformed from the fighting edward norton mm-hmm. he's cured he's wrote and writing haikus he was kind of the funniest person in that episode there were two parts that made me laugh one was him with his haikus and two was when uh jennifer walters became the lawyer at the place and her like assistant gave her a bag and he said here's a map of where to go poo that made me laugh mm, okay <laughs> the poop joke made me laugh <laughs> yeah um, but what was I talking about? Exactly. Uh, we're, t- <laughs> we're talking about the oh, yeah. Tim Roth. Emil, so Emil's doing his big talk, but all I'm thinking in the back of my head is, wasn't this dude to Shang-Chi in a fight club? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wait, something's going on. And of course, they hit us up with that at the end of the, the episode showing him in that fight club. So they're going to actually go into that. So, I mean, we're going to, we're talking about Shang-Chi. We had Emil talking about his uh, soulmates that he wants to go live with, which everyone is assuming is a tie to the Thunderbolts. We had teases mm-hmm. talking about Edward Norton's Incredible Hulk, talking about the Eternals, and even talking about Wolverine in this second episode. And this was all, this is five Easter eggs just in this episode. And I'm sure there's more. There's probably videos out there going, here's 71 Easter eggs. Which one, does any of these excite you? Do you like Easter eggs? 
I do, man. And say what you will, like people got really excited when not to talk about Moon Knight again for like the 10th time, but people got really excited about Moon Knight when that, them basically saying we're in the MCU, but we're not in the MCU. Like we are in the MCU, but this is going to be our own show. We're not going to have cameos. We're not going to talk about other heroes. We're not going to do anything and like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Stay on your own feet. But on the other side of the coin, man, just when you could start connecting this shit and like making it tie in with other shows and other movies I've watched, I like I love that. I yeah. love that shit. When you start like making me be like, oh, and like point at the screen that like like that Leonardo DiCaprio thing where he's yeah, yeah. points at the screen. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah. I just like that. I just like seeing like, oh, my God, that's so cool. When they popped out the Shang Chi thing, I was like, "That's great," and you know, kind of being meta, poking fun at um, Mark Ruffalo being the second actor to portray Hulk and being like, "I'm a different person," literally. That and she's like, "Ha ha!" I was like, "That was funny." Come on, man, you got to admit that's that's that, funny. That one and the poop joke made me laugh. Totally. I mean, and <laughs> like we said, Daredevil's going to be in this, and yeah. everyone. I mean, the rumor—it's not a rumor. It's like. They've said Wong is going to be in this too. Like clearly he's probably in the next episode. She has to figure out what this video is about. So just tying it into the, the rest of the MCU is just super fun to me. And that's why I like these things. It's one big, long saga. And so I'm, I'm all for Easter eggs. And it's been missing. It has been Cause, missing. Cause Miss Marvel really didn't do it. Nope. As you said, Moon Knight didn't do it. Really Thor love and thunder didn't do it. Except for the Guardians, but I mean, that was for five minutes at the beginning. Yeah. Doctor Strange didn't do it outside no. of tying to WandaVision. And he mentioned Spider-Man one time. Yeah, like, one time. For one line of dialogue, yeah. Spider-Man connected to a completely different franchise. I think we're in agreement that we just both think the cameos are fun. It's just something fun to have, and it's a payoff for watching all this. Yeah, right. Like, it's 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 a... It's a nice little fun thing for us as fans who've been with this Marvel Studios experiment for how many years. So it's 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 fun to have those things pay off. And this is the first time in a while that we're like going back now and saying, OK, all of this shit that happened in phase four, we're going to talk about in She-Hulk. And it's like not where I thought you would do it, but I'm down. Yeah, let's let it matter. Let's let's mention Shang Chi and She Hulk. It's it's crazy, you know. It's that's yeah. it's fun. I'm glad this is nine episodes compared to the normal six that these last couple MCU shows have been. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it needs, especially with the shorter length, it needs more. Definitely, the second episode ended really quick, and I was like, okay, it did. And it comes back to my point of wanting more lawyering. Is she the worst lawyer ever? <laughs> because she got offered a job and took it without negotiating anything. I and know. as, 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 as my wife said, when the show ended, you know, yeah, no one wanted to hire her, but she actually had a lot of collateral because how many other superhero lawyers are out there? And if this dude wanted a superhero to be a lawyer, it's not like they, those grow on trees. She's like the only one out there outside of Matt Murdock, but nobody knows who Matt Murdock is daredevil. So that doesn't work. Right. Like she had a little bit of leverage to be like, hey, this yeah. is what I want. And like she took that job just with like desperation. I'm like, man, no contract, nothing. <laughs> that would have been the more realistic approach for her to for her to demand. I, I understand why they did it. They had to like move the story oh, along. Yeah, I know. But yes, know. makes sense. I know. I'm hoping I I'm hoping they important. I'm hoping they make her seem like a competent lawyer because she really is in the comics she's she's really good and represents a lot of the superheroes whenever they have any kind of 
uh, court battle or court case. So it'll be fun. Hopefully yeah. they, I'm with you. I, I want them to incorporate the law side of it in a little more. That's what I liked about the comic book I talked about previously. Yep. So I'm hoping that's part of the show. Me too. I'm excited for where, where they're headed, what they're going to do and see where this show's going. They've, they've piqued my interest. Episodes one and two are in the book. We got seven more, as you said. I'm sure we will be back talking about it because it's the kind of the most fun I've had with the MCU in a while. Yeah, surprising, right? Surprising. I was hoping. <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be, and I hope it can continue down the path. Like, it's not the best thing, but it's definitely, definitely not the worst. <laughs> Yep, I'm with you. I'm I'm in I'm enjoying myself so far. So haters be damned. She-Hulk is good. I I hope everyone out here listening is enjoying it like we are, and we will. I'm sure we will revisit talking about it again soon. Absolutely, absolutely. Now there's another show that came out right around the same time. We got two episodes of that in the books now, and it's HBO's The House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones prequel. That has a lot of curiosity, a lot of anticipation. First episode came out and completely uh, blew everyone away with its 10 million viewers. And I think it became the most watched HBO premiere of all time. I was going to say a lot of viewers, too. You're saying a lot of curiosity. A lot of viewers as well. A lot Uh, of viewers. Didn't expect. I honestly didn't expect that many, but here we are. It it happened. 10, 10 million viewers like crashed HBO Max uh it's pretty crazy and already been renewed for season two so we got a lot of house of dragons to go but we're going to talk about the first two episodes but before we do we want to let you know that this episode of raise the geek is sponsored by anchor.fm so in the last couple weeks we've actually gotten the return of game of thrones game of thrones is back down over on hbo we're now two episodes deep into the house of the dragon uh, a prequel series to the original Game of Thrones starring the Targaryen family, if that almost sounds like it's a uh, family comedy, step by step. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So the Targaryen family is getting their spinoff. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that made waves after episode two aired was the theme song, because we got OG Game of Thrones theme song on this show. How'd that make you feel, Don? Man, brought back brought back some nostalgic memories. Can it be nostalgic if it's only from a few years ago? Is nostalgia only reserved for like youth? But it did bring back some feelings of uh joy that I that I had when when Game of Thrones was in its heyday. Because say what you will about that show, but it still has one has one of the greatest theme songs ever ever made, ever constructed. It's like a symphony of just uh medieval sounds and harps and violins and cellos and whatever it's just one of the greatest songs my ears have ever heard enough so that like me and my wife have gone went to the united center here in chicago to see the game of thrones live with like a symphony orchestra and like a director and a lady singing words and still i remember sitting there and just feeling powerful and i don't know man that's still great we went to that here yeah and i was just about to say how crazy is like this show was so big that they did a live tour concert that i went to with the symphony and it had (laughs) the they had the composer and they had like the the stage in the middle that would like a tree would rise up and they had all kinds of crazy like that show was awesome yeah it was phenomenal phenomenal (laughs) yes yeah so i'm i'm uh, i'm glad actually the song stayed because if it would have been different it would have just been a little weird this it just seems like it it fits even yeah, though it's yeah. a completely it's a different show with a new cast and different people 
just that song seems to fit the world of Westeros. And it's like, you can't, I wouldn't even be mad if when this Jon Snow uh, show comes out in however many years that's going to take to finally come out. Yeah. But I wouldn't be mad if they use a song again for that. Like, keep using the damn song. It just fits for that world. So I'm I'm a fan of that. Yeah, absolutely. All I've done for the weeks leading up to this show and even the week in between is call this show Game of Thrones. It's easier to say. <laughs> and all yeah. I've said is, hey, you ready to watch Game of Thrones? Let's watch Game of Thrones. And uh, And I sang that theme song for a week between episode one and two. So mm-hmm. I was when they did it, I was like, sweet, I'm down with that. Uh, my only thing I wish they would have done was kept the map. I yes. liked the map that they did in the original Game of Thrones where they would show you where stuff was and where we were going that episode. And like you could just see where stuff was in relation to and get you hyped up for what you were about to watch here. I think they were doing the family tree um, is what I read, but I didn't know what I was looking at besides blood running through a ping pong table or a, a pinball table. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get used to the visuals. I did. I did like always love the map in Game of Thrones. But I think the reason for that is just because that show spanned all yeah, those yeah. places. So, so far for this show, it seems like we're only so far in Dragonstone and King's Landing. Who knows if they go other places or, you know, maybe a couple here and there not as important. But those are like the two big ones. So I understand not using a map again. And then you are just straight up copying the yeah opening from the previous show. I'd still be um, okay with it though. I think I'll I think I'll get used to this new one. I'll just have to you're gonna have to study it a few more times and see what you're actually kind of getting an idea what you're looking at. Yeah, it took me a minute before I realized that the original Game of Thrones map changed per episode based on where you would go. So yeah. Yeah, that was, I that think was always great. I think as we start spreading out into this world again, I I think um, they might need to bring that back. Regardless, Don, let's jump into these first two episodes. Before we do, though, I want to make sure that you guys know that we did not read the books. This is based on a book that came out in 2018 called Blood and Fire, which was a prequel story of the Targaryens. We didn't read it. So anything that we say is just us making shit up. It had nothing to do with we did. We have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, this is specu- This is pure speculation here. Um, sometimes I like it better when when I watch a adapted property and I haven't read the yeah. material because then I kind of get to base my opinions off something new. Like we did it with Sweet Tooth, and we've done it with a few other things where hey, we didn't read it, but we still are interested. And this is Invincible, so a, a few boys, things. We, yeah, yeah, definitely. So this is just another thing like that. So um, yeah, all opinion based answers here. All right. So to get us started in the thing now, there will be spoilers for these first two episodes if you haven't watched them yet, which I'm sure you have because everybody seems to have watched them at this point as ratings are rising. We've already gotten an acknowledgement of a season two. But just in case the basic idea of where this show is getting started, um, the House of the Dragon tells the story of an internal succession war within House Targaryen at the height of its powers, 172 years before the birth of Daenerys Targaryen. So they let us know right away we are almost 200 years before game of thrones even happened so none of these people are going to be around yeah they 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 made sure to make a point i, I was telling you in that first episode to, mm-hmm. to give that little um disclaimer at the beginning saying this is 172 years before daenerys targaryen this is a different show please if you hated that last season give us this new chance yes um yes. i it was i that made me chuckle right off the bat watching that first episode right Right. And then they they went into the the prologue where they talked about the Great Council, where you had uh, King Jaehaerys, 
who didn't have any heirs, all of his, he outlived all of his kids. So he was unable to, he had no heirs for the throne. So they held the great council to uh, figure out if Prince Viserys, his eldest grandson or Princess Renace, his oldest granddaughter would become his heir and Prince Viserys won the vote. And then we time jumped up to when he was king and having his own heir problems as an older gentleman. And that's about where the show picked up here with episode one. Yeah, an elder statesman, as you will. Um, an elder statesman, yeah. Seemed to be doing it for a while and having some heirs and seems like he's had some problems with uh, producing a male heir. But he does have one female heir in Princess Rhaenyra. Ren, Ren, man, the names are so I the names are so hard. I've seen some people put up this a few times. It just has like a joke as like a meme. This is going to be the same as Game of Thrones when you first started watching it, and it's going to take a while. Yeah, just all the names and people. You're going to be like, who the fuck is that? What is that person's <laughs> yeah. name? I don't know who that is. Did we meet this person? Who are they talking about? And like the the Targaryen race also has some names of their names are always a little more complicated like even how long did it take you to learn how to say daenerys the right way when you're first watching the show people like khaleesi like no that's her title not her name yeah um even targaryen was weird right back in the back in the day you're like wait baratheon targaryen okay i like stark i can get that one (laughs) i feel like he kept calling her the main character of this renea okay i don't know i think the s might be silent or or some or something but uh renee i think they were calling her renee yeah i'll Uh, I'll take it for now and we'll get corrected later damon's the easy one because it's kind of like damien yes yes i I, i'm down with that one uh so we he does have an heir but it is a female heir and as was kind of the plot of the original game of thrones is always who's going to sit on the iron throne who's next in line for the iron throne who can take over the iron throne and it was a point in the original series as well that women have never held the iron throne never had a full queen as far as i'm aware until cersei that's one thing i was going to ask you about does this show already spoil itself by us knowing that she's not gonna be queen like in the in game of thrones it's hard to remember if was that daenerys's thing that there had never been a queen before because if that's the case then we already know well she's never gonna technically sit on the iron throne before we even get into it i couldn't remember um i was trying to i I guess i could have looked it up before we started this conversation i don't fully remember but i also feel like yes that that was a point that was made with daenerys and until cersei became the queen and Mm -hmm. took it over um i feel like that was a thing and yes once again as we've talked about with prequels you could set it 200 years in the future but or in the past but Mm -hmm. Yes, if you're still saying we've never had a queen, then we know that these women that are want their peace in it, it does kind of suck in that way. But at the same time, I don't remember. Right. And it's still like a history. It's still 200 years. So she could become queen for a hot minute. And it just never gets talked about. Right. Like, once again, I didn't read the book and I didn't look at the, the tree, the family tree or any of those no. timelines to know exactly. So I really don't know. They could surprise me with it. Yeah, one thing I am feeling with this show, which kind of is carrying over from Game of Thrones, is it deals with patriarchy issues mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the kind of suppression of of women as being thought of as that they could be uh, leaders and the head of a monarchy and whatever. And I kind of like that it's still 
it makes you look at Game of Thrones and be like, oh, in 172 or 100 and 200 years, this still never changed in Westeros. You know what I mean? They Someone was dealing with the same thoughts Daenerys had as being like disrespected and they thought she couldn't lead. And who is this young girl? She doesn't know anything, but really they, you know, could be looked at as the strongest leaders, but they're just never given that chance. And that's just kind of a running theme, I think, through both of these shows that I'm totally into. There were scenes in the second episode that really dealt heavily with that when she was talking with her, the other older Valerian woman, or also yeah. she's also got Targaryen blood, but like the one who was passed over for yeah. Viserys yeah. Uh, to yeah. take over. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I like that. I'm into those themes. She has a very similar name. Yeah. She's, it she's starts Princess with an R. Renace. Right. I knew it started with an R. It's it's almost spelled exactly. It's like Renace and Renera. Yeah. So once again, it's going to take us a minute before we get these yeah. names right. Forgive, forgive us if, if you've read all read the books and you know all the names perfectly and you hear us butchering them and you're yelling at us right now, please give us a give us some time. By the time, <laughs> by the time we're done with the show, we should be able to say everybody's name right. But we're we're trying. Yeah, only only seen it a couple times. But then this this show seems to obviously be more about heirs because we started with uh, the king, the king originally not having an heir because he outlived all of his kids. And now Viserys, who doesn't really have an heir, and he got to the point where he had to name a princess as his heir, which was never done before. So everybody was freaking out a little bit from that. He almost had a male heir. How'd you feel about that uh, C-section scene there? <laughs> I mean, it was pretty brutal. Push you back into Game of Thrones real quick, huh? Yeah, you know, you remember the ones that stick with you the most from Game of Thrones, but almost every episode, like, or at least every other episode had some kind of disturbing visual uh, brutality uh, attached to it because, hey, Westeros is a brutal world. Yep. HBO doesn't pull any punches. They're going to put the same kind of stuff in this show as they would any rated R NC-17 mature movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just clearly going to be apparent in this show too which i'm glad i'm i don't want them to hold back if you're gonna if you're gonna exist in the same universe as game of thrones you have to do this stuff um as disturbing as it might be to see but it's just part of their story and how that why that world works people i'm not saying people get off on it like the violence and the whatever but it's just part of the you know, sometimes it's just a little fun to be grossed out by something. Um, well, so. It made it made that situation like heartbreaking and it made that so intense. And we had the jousting and we had that level of violence going on where we were in peacetime and there isn't this violence. And you had these knights that were fighting each other and you had a, a, a daemon who was going at it, trying to like almost showing this brutality that they're not able to go out into the world because we're at peacetime. So then to really and then to mirror it with him finally getting his male heir, but then everything going horribly wrong and how fast everything can just kind of turn on you in the most brutal way. It's, it was a very good reintroduction to the game of Thrones world. I agree. Yeah. It's not Westeros if things don't, can't go immediately wrong in all the worst ways uh, at the drop of a hat. So, right. So then this led to, we're dealing with now who's the King going to marry and we got the second episode was really heavy into his relationship status, the king's relationship status, and trying to once again get more heirs, whether it's just to get rid of Princess Renaira as a uh as the heir or people jockeying for position, because you had the hand of the king, Hightower, who was positioning his daughter immediately 
to shack up with the king. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you had, you know, uh, Corliss, Lord Corliss, who was trying to position his daughter to be the uh, queen and yes. Mary and a 12 year old girl, which was she was a young and when they showed her, I was like, ooh, wasn't expecting that. Yeah, more and more disturbing themes <laughs> coming out of Game of Thrones. One is one from previous, you know, the previous series tended to be, you know, incestual relationships. And this one, it's like, oh, we're getting to the pedophilia right away. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, an- another just like you, you have to take your mind to Westeros to understand this is how things work. And it's different and it's very odd and strange and makes you cringe a little bit sometimes some of these things but hey man it's all part of the entertainment that's yeah that's what, that's what this is and that's just i mean that's once again back to history you know i mean that's just there were certain times in history where age ain't nothing but a number <laughs> and, well at least at least viserys was was not into it from the beginning yes. you could tell. and i can't go any further without mentioning just for a split second viserys the king yeah okay man does he look like Bret Hart to you <laughs> all the time? Every time I look at this guy's face, all I see is Bret the Hitman Hart, and it's bothering me like an old version of Bret Hart, like oh, what Bret Hart is now, like he with the long gray hair and he's his face. Just when he looked up, I was like, "That's Bret Hart. Why stop being Bret Hart?" Uh, <laughs> um, now that's all I'm gonna see. Fans out there or people listening out there who aren't fans of wrestling, Bret Hart is a you know iconic wrestler from the 90s but i'm sure most of you know who i'm talking about god i can't stop thinking of uh, it's gonna bother me until they they finally kill off that character which may not be long because he has wounds that won't heal um yeah that's no good <laughs> that's all i see is do a sharpshooter on somebody damn it like that's all i, I can hope think. so <laughs> now since you're talking about him how do you feel like i said he's potentially in the ned stark role you know the main really seems like the main character going into this. He's kind of a, a different kind of King, a different kind of looking at peacetime, you know, that Stark, we were introduced to him in a little bit heavier, like you got to do what you got to do. And I remember him beheading people in the beginning and just kind of trying to be all about honor. And now we have this man, uh, Viserys, who's just lost his wife in the most hor- horrific way possible being, you know, proposed to and all these other different ways and all these people jockeying for position. And he doesn't seem like he wants to get into anybody's business. We got all kinds of stuff going on around him. And he's just like, nah, I'm just my brother. My brother's my brother. Let me ship him over here. So how do you feel he's doing as a main character, just from an acting standpoint and or just a character standpoint? Do you have any thoughts on Viserys while we were talking about him? Uh, Nothing too deeply. I still don't know if his character is going to be the Ned Stark main male hero type. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like they might be kind of throwing a curve at you. Like maybe he somehow ends up being a villain Mm -hmm. uh, for his daughter. Cause just that we've already been through the Ned Stark familial story already. They might, I feel like they might want to come at it from a different angle Yeah, and they may be making you believe he's going to be that now, but then something's going to flip. Yeah. Who Who knows? But, I mean, he's fine. I, I still just have this problem with the show. I'm enjoying the show, okay? I still have this problem where, to me, Game of Thrones is the sh- series I've already watched. And this so far is just seeming like, it's good. Trust me, I like it and I'm into it. But I can't just get over the fact that it feels like cosplay of mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. 
just because I'm not used to the new people. Like yeah, everybody yeah. I see is just like, ah, you're just like, hello, King's Landing. But it's like, you're not the people I know. Yeah, it's you like fan made. Mean? It's like you're cosplaying Game of Thrones. Um, what's What's weird about it is like, you're coming into it with actors that you already know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you knew. I mean, when Game of Thrones started, I knew who uh, Ned Stark, what the hell is his name? Sean Bean. Yeah, I knew who Sean Bean was. I knew who Lena Headley was. And, Ireland, I, think that, yeah. and I think that's like it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I knew any of those other actors at the time. So it was like, you saw them and you're like, cool. But this one, it's like Matt Smith. You got Doctor Who just like looking like an elf, just doing stuff. And I'm just like, wait, you're Doctor Who. Why are you banging <laughs> that chick? That's you're weird. Matt Smith. And you got, you got the guy who played Lizard in The Amazing Spider-Man as the Hand of the King. My point being, I'm not trying to like belittle or dis- discourage anybody from watching it. I think it's very good show so far. I just still have the Game of Thrones cast in my head. So these people are going to have to like give me a few episodes, earn my trust <laughs> with you. So far, there, there's been some good performances being put out there. Like the guy we just said, the guy who played uh, the Lizard. He's I think he's been doing a great job. Um, yeah. And the main girl, the prince us Renera, she's doing great i think yeah i like um, her she's she's got a nice uh daenerys mm-hmm. look to her i think that's yeah, obviously her point is to kind of almost look like a young daenerys trying to do her same thing but uh, she just yeah she's been doing a really good job of being that kind of young almost a mixture of uh area aria yes aria and, Dar- and daenerys um, no yeah it's, it's totally <laughs> it's totally in there a little mixture there they're like, oh, let's take two characters and mix them together. But uh, and this one rides dragons right away. So, <laughs> yes, which is awesome. I mean, how awesome was it that dragons just are there? You know, that's it's not like a whole big thing, a build up. man. Dragons were just in your face in these two episodes. Yeah. Game of Thrones, you had to wait. The yes. dragons were were hatched at the end of the season one and you had to wait for them to grow all the way until the final season when they were finally full grown. If they were in full grown at that point. But yeah, having a bunch of dragons just around and she's flying one and Damon has his own. And I'm sure there's others. They, I think they said there's like 20 adult dragons throughout yeah. the land right now. So like, that's awesome. They're just going to pop up and do whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm totally into that. And like the technology's gotten out to the point where they just look amazing still. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in episode two, how badass was it when she came parting through the clouds? Yeah, you, saw those, you saw those clouds start parting like it was jaws coming through the water or something it's like mm-hmm. yes i didn't know what happened because i didn't know if it was her so i'm like oh my god does damon have another dragon and he's just i was waiting for like everybody just to get set on fire and then it was like her coming through and i was like yeah and mm-hmm. it was awesome and then she came and saved the day yeah she totally did she's got no fear no fear. Not, of, not of her brother i like i like their relationship uncle. too yeah that's what i meant uncle king's brother her uncle yeah i like their relationship so far because you can tell they're gonna have a contentious relationship but he damon cares about her i mean that's his niece yeah. so he doesn't want to harm her but he's also pissed off that she's kind of blocking his way to the throne mm-hmm. um but, you know, if he was going to hurt her, he would have hurt her in that moment. And he doesn't want to. You can tell he's he's not going to, which is kind of what's making me question. Is he really the villain of this show or is it, you know, are they kind of trying to trick us a little bit? Um, that all remains to be seen. But, yeah, I like their relationship. That scene with them on the on the <clears throat> bridge in Dragonstone was was pretty cool. 
Yeah, yeah. And I don't think, I mean, realistically, even looking at Game of Thrones outside of moments, it's like everybody was kind of a villain. There were very few people that were just evil, you know, like Ramsay was evil. Joffrey. Joffrey was evil. Um, There were a couple people that were just like horrible, but a lot of people kind of were able to flip flop a little bit based on the situation that they found themselves in. Because even even Daenerys, to a point, did some pretty shady shit even before she did went complete psycho no it's true and you had people like Littlefinger who like rode the line between good evil yeah not trustworthy I kind of feel like that's what the hand of the king is doing right now he's like that slippery snake kind of a guy he seems like a scumbag but uh that's the fun of that's the fun of starting these shows huh he just got his way yeah I know because we ended this episode with the king announcing that he was going to marry her do- his daughter. So the hand of the king's daughter is now going to be the Hightower. Yeah. Elicit Hightower or something. Yeah, which is which is Renera's best friend. Scandal is See they they were trying to make it even they were trying to be like, "Oh, don't worry, he's not going to marry the 12-year-old." But that friend's got to be what the same age as the daughter, so she's 15, so it's still gross. Um <laughs> but yeah. whatever. And it's still they, a it's still a thing, and apparently, well, according to the scenes from the next episode, they're about to have a little baby, so even grosser. A little baby, but we don't know how many years we're jumping. Yeah, what is about what's up with the time jumps? I, their things are just moving the story ahead. It's just like, hey, the the point is the heirs, and the point is all of this stuff. So it's like we just moving ahead. We don't have to fill in the gaps. Do we really need to see them court or her have a baby? If the point is getting to her having a male baby, which I'm assuming she's going to have. Yeah. Just get to it. I get, but I want to kind of see how then the conflicts we've been set up with so far, then how are those going to resolve themselves? Like, are we going to jump ahead a year to in episode three? Are you going to explain to me what has happened in that year between Viserys and Damon? Are you going to explain to me what's happened between, you know, Viserys and the other family? of the daughter he of the girl he was gonna marry but then spurned like apparently they're they're rich i can't think of their the the, the Valer- valerian the, blood yeah yeah you know what I'm right are you gonna explain what has happened between them you know for the past year them and the king is that important like it seems like because we didn't jump years in game of thrones so you just assumed every every conflict that was brought up to you is going to somehow get resolved mm-hmm. we're going to talk about it the next week immediately but yeah if you're we jump six months between one and episode one and two and now maybe we jump another year in between it's just i want to see how it's going to play out kind of yeah. is what i'm saying i'm just not used to that kind of storytelling for them yeah a little bit and uh you know i and we ended this episode with lord lord corliss talking to damon basically trying to hatch a plan against the king and to do stuff so yeah maybe we pop in i don't know got the crab feeder coming too yeah i kind of i kind of not saying i trailed off there at the end but i didn't fully understand the the introduction of that character like what they were trying to say did you catch that they've been talking about he's basically to me it sounded like he's like a pirate and he's attacking ships in the shipping lane between across the sea 
Okay. So then Lord Corliss has been asking for these two episodes, like, hey, we need to worry about this guy. We need to do this. We need to stop him. And then Viserys is very, like said, peacetime king. So he doesn't want to start a war and he doesn't want to. So he's kind of letting it happen. And Lord Corliss keeps coming back saying, this dude is going is causing trouble. So it, that's really the gist that I understood it is that he's just a pirate out there stirring up shit and getting more and more powerful um, where he's starting to actually get followers and starting to gain power out there on the what they call the, the steps, I think they call them or something, the land stones or yeah, I heard something like stepping that. stones or some, some once again, why I needed a map so I could see what the stuff looks like, but uh, where they are, but it's a shipping lane. So Corliss is very worried about the crab feeder. And then they were showing him, you know, flaying people and feeding them to crabs. So Seems like he's going to be a big deal in the next episode, according to the scenes. So basically, he's just this series Night King, kind of. Maybe, depending, like, or like he's... Yeah, uh, like the threat that's on the way kind of he deal. He could, I just don't know if... I don't know how... I don't know if they can wait too long to make him... Especially if we're jumping a year. I feel mm -hmm. like he's maybe... I picture him being more of the problem of this season. Potentially. Is how I picture him. But I don't, once again, I don't know. I don't know who the crab feeder is. Yeah, that's that's the fun of starting a new show like this that's so epic in scale. You're just meeting people and making theories, and nine times out of ten, they're not going to happen. But it's just fun to theorize and think about and figure out who you like and who you don't like. And uh, yeah, man. And then have them turn it all upside down on us and uh, yeah. make it, like I said, everyone's like, oh, I hate Damon now. He's up to no good. But yeah, watch how fast they're going to flip him. All of a sudden, he'll be like the hero, like Jamie Lannister. Like you hated Jamie, then all of a sudden you love Jamie. Uh, halfway through the show, up until the very end, you still love Jamie. Yep. Uh, until yeah, you just got tired of him. But yeah, that's the last season of Game of Thrones. We won't we won't speak about that. No, that's those we don't speak of. But all in all, man, I really enjoyed these two episodes. It's felt good to have Game of Thrones. It's like epic scale. We've talked about it before. How there's a lot of different shows that have tried to fill that gap. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any of them have actually done it outside of the critics saying it to for publicity. Um, I know we've heard it many times. The next Game of Thrones is here and it has never been here. But no. this is obviously this is Game of Thrones. So it felt good to be back. I really wasn't pumped for this show with a lot of those trailers until that last one they dropped. But man, watching it again, it's just this appointment viewing, man. I was I was pumped all like all day Sunday. I just kept checking my watch like when it, when is this episode going to drop? I'm ready. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I've totally enjoyed these first two episodes. Um, say what you will. Some people just might tell you that it's been kind of slow and it's slow moving, but I, I just like all the intrigue and I like the political intrigue and I like the scenes with the small council and just the talking about things and expanding the world and talking about people and having this sense of dread that something bad is going to happen around the corner and who's going to kill who. And we know in this world, anybody can die. That's one of the funnest things is nobody's safe. You, you may think, you know, who's safe, but anybody could die at any time. We know that now. Yep. Um, and that's what just keeps you like on the edge of your seat. So I'm back in it. Kudos to whoever at HBO decided that this was going to be a big deal for them after that last season of Game of Thrones. I mean, like someone, someone over there was like, no, we still have faith in this world. And clearly it's paid off because people are watching. Like you said, more people watched episode two than episode one. That rarely happens. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, I hope they have another hit on their hands. I'm into it. I'm, I'm 
ready for the ride. I'm ready to be heard again. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm excited for it. And I think we're going to be back talking about House of the Dragon here on Raise the Geek. So I think that's going to do it for us this week. So for Raise the Geek, I'm Chris. And I'm Don. So thanks for checking out the show. Where geek is all we speak. <laughs>